You Found It, the Japanwood podcast. Coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo, the armpit of Asia. It's Japan What Podcast with me, Matt Bigelow, MatthewPMBigelow.com. Back for the first time in a long time, quack, quack. <laughs> Joining me on the podcast today is a longtime Japan resident, um, a salty dog in the news industry, as we'd like to say, on a daily basis, of course, <laughs> is uh, Jeff. Jeff, welcome. Good morning, sir. Good morning, indeed. Um, it's uh, been a while since we've had a podcast going on. Um, basically, um, I'd started the podcast like right before COVID started as like a lifestyle Japan mm. thing, and there's so much tourism. And then it's like you try to hold on to this concept, and it's the sand is just going through the, the the particles in your useless mask like some sort of virus that barely exists. Your whole game plan. Just it's just kaboom, and, you tr- and then you try to a smooth and adapt, and then then everything's about COVID, and I'm like, I just don't want to, I don't want to be the COVID guy. And, and basically, that's kind of what everything was. But now Japan is kind of easing off. We got more tourism coming back. It, there's more things going on where it's not all just COVID, mm. COVID, COVID. So we're back, and you're back, and we're glad to have you here. Um, so I purposely don't, I know who you are. We've worked together. Mm. I don't really, but I know maybe a little too much. And so I could just <laughs> say something as if it's like something, of course, you would like the world to know about. And then you're like, Hey, whoa, that, that was, that was, that's a half truth. And we, we don't want to do that. The genie's out of the bottle. The genie's out of the bottle. So why don't you go ahead and, uh, uh donne, donne l'audience an introduction. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, yeah, I've uh, I first arrived in Japan in 1982. I was on a, a ship in the Navy down in Yokosuka. Um, back in the early 80s, that's when AIDS and HIV was just erupting. It was played in the Japanese press as a foreign disease. So back then, you could just be walking down the street and people would like turn over their shoulder and see you and like jump. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Especially you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a normal-looking yeah. guy. I wasn't even like a big fan I've interviewed guy. thousands of people about this, and they've all said the opposite. You're, this is the first time I've... You're number one. So, and then I, I, I came back in 1990, um, still in the Navy, and then got out and went to work for a newspaper. The weird Japan niche was still alive and well. And then Japan did something brilliant, and we and they decided to just own it. Right. Anime is cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and marketing uh, value. And that that whole Japan cool thing just like put these other people out of business, and they were, uh, you know, nothing else to write about. Right, like the COVID thing, <laughs> it just became all about that. Yeah, this unilateral shift in focus. Mm-hmm. You only know about Japan as this. And then you come here, and it's nothing like that. Right. Like, like you open up like the travel guides in the mid '90s, and it's like, "Ooh, Sakura and Keisha, awesome!" <laughs> and you come, and you're like sitting in a tiny coffee shop, drinking weak coffee next to some smoking salary man wearing a suit, and you're like, "This isn't what the, what's going on?" <laughs> Lies. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I started working. Um, uh, on a daily newspaper, uh, right at the time, like so, there was like a confluence of things. There was a China Airlines crash. There was the Om Shinrikyo. Oh, that's uh, right. You would be here for the that terrorist event. 
Um, the, the on the subway attacks, the Kobe yeah. earthquake, and right. it was uh, the, the, it was a crazy time. I yeah, it's we very just... active, especially for the news industry, mm. right? In out, in out, in out. And this was back before really the the internet. Like, yeah, we started a website like years after I got there. So the, back at that time, the internet was very fringe, and it would just be like, "Hello, I am a guy in Germany. Here is my." <laughs> bathtub and you'd be like you'd go to his website and he'd be like oh this german guy has a bathtub and it was it had no reason to be there it was just kind of goofy trial and error kind of stuff you know yeah it was like that uh oh what, what was it oh the urinal game yes <laughs> it's like you you could like and you know but that took up 10 minutes and yeah you moved on and the internet is For some of us it was more than a game <laughs> test your manhood yes Urinal is a way of life. I always like it when there's like basically no place to go in and you just say, okay, exit. And it's like, you got it. You nailed it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exit. Um, and yeah, after years of that. And then so the internet came and the newspaper industry started squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And at some point I ended up at a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Where I now know way too much. Exactly. <laughs> And then, By the way, we're going to be talking about, in brief, about the pharmaceutical company later in the mm. podcast, just as a teaser. Mm. It has to do with the Trilateral Commission and Takeda. Oh, hello. Ooh. Anyways, what yeah. did you do at this pharmaceutical company? Um, did you ever just, like, get a lot of pills and experiment? No, no, no. In, in, in fact, like, trying to get an aspirin, like, if you had a headache during the day, it was like pulling teeth. Um. Uh, we the department I was in was called pharmacovigilance, which on my first day there I thought it was a made up word. Yeah, turns out it's not. Uh, what they do is they study side effects, um, and so anytime you go to uh, a hospital, a clinic, or something like that, and they give you something, and you develop any unexpected reaction, you know, a rash, swelling. Uh, Heart attack. Yeah, they, yeah, that or sudden death. Clots. Uh, <laughs> this all goes into a database, and at some point, somebody like me had to sit down and proofread this stuff. And it was, you know, a sixty-five-year-old man uh, came to the hospital for this, and previously he had this, and eventually they get down to the list of medications that pe these people are taking. And, like, sometimes I would count them. It'd be, like, 24. No wonder you're sick. Yeah. Um, so it was all about side effects. Um, I watched this company. They should have gone into probiotics, but they did not. And now I don't actually understand what's happened to them. I, I think they were being taken over because the, uh, the big boss was from China. So. Makes sense. And then I landed back... Yeah, the pharmaceutical company industries mm. often see something that isn't like it, they, it could work synergistically with pharmacopoeia, it, but the, the often like are they just so competitive with each other that it, only the pharmaceutical thing can be the thing, and that you can't have supplementary things just in case that can ease some sort of pain or you know like turmeric something like that some sort of turmeric thing you know where it's like, hey you have inflammation maybe you don't need a pharmaceutical subscription or pers prescription maybe just take some turmeric for a while and see how that goes like they really don't have this 
unilateral view, right? They just say, turmeric's for hippies, there's the door. After about six months of working there, I went that way. It's, yeah, turmeric, um, there's all kinds of just natural cures. Sure. Um, a patient cured is a customer lost. That's exactly That's right. the whole thing. This whole petrochemical um, fueled industry. These, yeah. their doctors are not taught to cure you. They're taught to treat you. Yeah. Um, and if you go and against not to that, dinner. <laughs> and the, the thing is, you've seen what happened over like the past two and a half years to doctors who actually wanted to. Yeah, people. sure. It's, and people will immediately yeah. say, well, those are just crackpots, but then you can go to the doctor. I'm, I'm so over the whole, I'm afraid to talk about COVID thing, by the way. <laughs> I, I really don't. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm unvaccinated. I'll just say that. Um, Me too. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't care to be vaccinated. I don't, a lot of people are now, I don't, I don't see a lot of guilt tripping about this whole, are you vaccinated, unvaccinated? That has really, you kind of expected that there would be more, but everybody got very, very quiet. Quiet. Yeah, they just shut up and, and moved like, on. Like masks oh, you're still like, on about mm. that? Yeah. Uh, Japan's still, but what I mean to say is that even doctors like Robert Malone, who mm. had the patents, who, who helped develop some of the patents with companies right. for the mRNA vaccines themselves, he's saying maybe not. There's other. There's just a whole bunch of high-profile ones, but it, you have to be a bureaucrat on the American news networks, and there you—that's the only person you can trust. Mm. Somebody who works in concert with a rotating door of of total, absolute, massive corruption that everybody knows about, but is you know unwilling to say anything because they think that they're going to have like some sort of you know bullet put through their head or something like that if they speak out against what's totally obviously put in front of them. But at the same time, I I know a lot of people who do take pharmaceuticals who need them, and maybe they do it a little bit. So I'm not like against one thing or the other. Mm. I'm, I'm whatever you want, man. You know. Yeah. What well, one thing I noticed after reading I'm, these um, case things, I used to have to proofread. Yes. So I had to learn like a whole new language. Yes. Um, and then I had to make it stand. Pharma ease. Oh my goodness! It's just you. You just get into that rhythm and yeah. like. Um, but it was a lot of reading. It was thousands of cases. And one thing I noticed was, as the people in these cases got older, the list of medicines just grew and grew and grew and grew. It was pretty consistent that way. So I just stopped taking it. I rarely take an aspirin. Rarely. I take um, headache pills. I have a kid, and sometimes I don't get enough sleep, and he's mm. screaming a lot. You know, it's fine. Yeah, I love him. He's great. But I'm like, I'm just going to take some bufferins. Bye. <laughs> I'm just going to take some bufferins. <laughs> well, you, you remember last year when I was having that shoulder pain? Yeah. I mean, I, I have probably taken less than 50 pills over the past 20 years of my life. Mm. Like, recreational and, you know, whatever. I don't really do recreational pills. I don't. I Really, I don't do. Re I like beer and whiskey. And, mm. you know, I used to have a cigarette once in a while. But I, that's even 10 years ago now. So, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Have a beer, dude. We we can't have a beer. You have to have 80 pills. So what so what happened then? What's next? Well, anyway, uh, just to finish off that other thing, last year when I had that shoulder pain, yes. I tried little tablets that said like kata and everything like that, and I tried plasters. In the end, what cured it was? Olive oil. 
Right. I would take a swig of olive oil, go sit down and work a little bit, come back, take another swig, and after about three days, it was gone. I think it was like bursitis. Yeah. But, yeah, there's natural cures out there. Yeah. People are afraid. People are afraid. It's the... Yeah, there's this idea that it's so easy to be a kook now. Like, um, going back to the early days of the internet, it was okay to be nuts because you would be nuts alone on the internet. Right. But now everybody is on the internet and nobody wants to be nuts. It's a total mm. inversion of what the internet used to be. So everyone's just trying to, like, project this whole kind of, like me, I'm safe image. Mm. And um, I'm trying so hard at that that if you don't project that same thing, then somehow... Now we are on opposite teams or something like that. There's like this, uh, I need to come at you. You're not doing it right um, element to it, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious or purposeful or just as a result of the medium is the message type of uh, All here. these things that were supposed to unite us, now they can just flip it and oh, just yeah. divide you like right in half. Sure. You know, 12 years ago, if you said, dude, I saw a viral video. You'd be like, oh, my God, what was it? That sounds awesome. Or, huh. dude, I was in a viral video. They'd be like, awesome. Uh, now it's like, I was in a viral video. It's like, oh, my God, are you okay? Don't post anything for three days and you'll be fine. Don't respond to anything. And if, you're, if your doctor tells you you don't need a con another COVID test, take one anyway. That's right. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> Micromanagers. No, it's um, yeah. We should we should get shirts made. You know, pure blood shirts. Pure blood. <laughs> we'll be abducted by uh, by uh, psycho doctors from not a pharmaceutical industry, but from a biomedical AI institute that don't believe in ethics. An antithetical AI bio lab. Uh, you know, oh. murder for hire. I I'm I'm more afraid of the bureaucracy than I think I would be of the jab. Yes. I mean, I had a nightmare once where they, I, I think I was like at an airport and they were like, okay, you have to get this shot. But like the needle was like five feet long and, you know, I woke up screaming. Oh, and wow. It's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot it was a dream. I was like, whoa, this does not sound like a good airport. <laughs> but it, it, we've, we've gotten to the place that we're still at a place where I can't take a day off just because I have a cold or yeah. because I'm fighting a cold. Or you have a sore knee. Because that tricks that it trips up like this mechanism of things, so yeah, I have to yeah. like go in rain or shine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, if you do take it, yeah. Oh, I took my temperature. It's thirty nine degrees. Um, I should be taking the day off, but I don't want to take a day off just because in the morning I have a thirty nine degree temperature. What if it comes down? What if it's just a wrong reading? You know, all oh, that's kind of garbage. Yeah, the the amount of bureaucracy, and that's all it is. It's, it's all it's become bureaucracy, or it's become like a, a layer that's in place in society. Like uh, you go into a convenience store and they have plastic sheets strung up all over the place to keep us safe. They're the same plastic sheets that have been there for the past three years almost now. And um, people are saying like, uh, it's like those old stores that always have a sale sign in the window. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, 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 the effect is gone. Yeah. yeah it's so what 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 made you get rid? What made you exit the um, pharmaceutical industry? Um, they were downsizing. Um, yeah, that's what happened to me at SoftBank. Um, and this is a global company with offices everywhere, um, kind of high up in Japan. Um, but there was offices like uh, a lot of what my job became was making sure the Japan office 
didn't look bad in Europe and the U.S. So right. It was like a lot of, uh, so I would like, I would proofread emails. I would proofread slideshows. Um, I was getting to see a lot of stuff. I probably yeah. wouldn't have it's, seen. It's weird how in some companies they let you in. Like I felt that way sometimes too at some of the previous jobs I've had where it's just like, are you sure you should be showing me these schematics? It seems kind of like a secretive document. Huh? <laughs> seems like something I shouldn't know, to be frank. Well, you won't talk about it, right? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> the hell? Um, but, yeah, I think that it was just, um, they were realigning everything. And I, the big boss that came in was Chinese. Um, and things started happening that sort of moving things like out of Japan and back, you know, towards China. Sure. So. Managers do that. They come in and they just change everything and mm. screw your life, you know, and whatever. Mm. That's just the way it works with corporations, especially in Japan. It's like, oh, these people are working too efficiently with each other. They don't need me. Mm. How can I disrupt everything here and bend them to my will? <laughs> that's what that's what I'm really here to do is satisfy my own ego. I have a big degree from an important university. Oh, I, uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so what do you think about the news industry in Japan now as opposed to some of these other main events? Um said you don't want to talk about, I said I don't want to talk about COVID, but it's just as a reference point. Like you said earlier, the um, Om Shinrikyo, the uh, Kobe earthquake, probably some train accidents, mm. right? The um, Amagasaki uh, train incident. I was working that day. Um, all those things. To, now to COVID or, or the, the the news cultural culture in general, how would you compare it from now to back then? It, everything is moving so fast. Um, I started taking notes for today about two weeks ago. I might have the... And then later I went back to the top and, and started looking at what I had written and I had almost completely forgotten it. That's how fast the news cycle is yeah. working. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. People now, they're just, it's like COVID, corona, it's just like COVID, 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 COVID. I don't think they actually hear it anymore. Um, they still put on their masks. In Japan, yeah. In Japan, yeah. And if it wasn't for things like the Olympics and, you know, scandals. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really think they're paying attention unless it's like a Japanese sports star. They just seem to be going through the motions and, and they're hearing it's just constant. It's a real disconnect, I, I feel, these days. Like, I don't feel like um, in the past 12, 15 years that there's more cohesion in mm -hmm. Japanese society. It feels like people are kind of bifurcating and not, not really kind of gelling like they used to yeah maybe the birth rate's getting low um the companies aren't investing in younger generations and then mm. the younger generations don't have this money uh, it's like a, a, a entropy in a way and well i it's uh, may, maybe i'm just not seeing it but um back in the day investigative journalism in japan was very much alive and well and as the years went along the government took some steps they had that secrecy act where yeah. you could be, you could have a document that you didn't know was classified, and then if you, if it turned out to be classified, you could be thrown in the slammer. 
automatically. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yes. The, secret, the Secrecy Act or yes. something like that? Yeah. Is that what it's yep. called? Yep. Yeah. And then suddenly... That was, was about 2012, 13, 14-ish. Seems about right. They, yeah. give it, they give it time to work in, and then, they, yeah, yeah. and then they come along later and they're like, oh, we're just revising this. Yeah. And then pretty soon, yeah, it's uh, the guy who has the document exposing some giant scandal. He's the headline. Right. And they, 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 they just flip it out that way. They throw the book at him, then it's official, and then it's, yeah, they have the precedent and the action. Mm. So I would agree that there's not a lot of um, uh, journal, like uh, investigative journalism, and even a lot of um, op-eds seem to be ass-kissing. Oh, my like, God, um, yes. Like, this, I, I work at this newspaper, which supports this party. It doesn't, but it does, wink, wink. And I think this party isn't as good as they should be. What do you think, boss? Uh, yes, very good. Maybe you could be a politician and cover the political beat someday as well, Mr. Takeshi. And just as an example, Takeshi doesn't exist. But that's kind of how, that's what I was reading into it, um, working in the news industry in the past couple of years, just kind of going, oh, this person's just, this is, this is a job security um, attempt. <laughs> Not really uh, anything else but that. They just, it's like, um, okay. Where do we go here? All right. Well, you're holding a mainstream newspaper. We don't need to say the name, but it's a, a daily newspaper in English in Japan. It's right there. You're, you're <laughs> holding it. We can can hear it. Yep, yeah. there it is. What do you, what do you got? <laughs> what did you want to talk about? Okay. Um, all right. For, it's almost like Japan did not learn the lesson from the Nagano Olympics. I, I, I forget if it was before or after Salt Lake, but there was all these corruption scandals, experiments right. and everything. And it's like, oh, yes, it was bad, and we have to crack down on this, and we have to crack down on this. And then years later, for the Tokyo 2020 Games, you've got years of bid rigging. Yeah. And this other stuff going on. You even had like a one-year delay. Yeah, because they were held in 2021 in because of... The pandemic. And then, okay, so we have, okay, one-year delay on the Olympics. No fans, so we don't have that to worry about. And still, all this bid rigging just sort of stayed under the table. We fired a guy for making a bad remark yeah. here. And the ex-prime minister and head of the games talked about women despairing, despairingly. And it just created this, like, smoke screen around things. And by the time the Olympics were over, everybody was like, Oh, hoo, hoo, yay, and, and you know, mm. and and now we come to find out all of this stuff out. The bid rigging. The bid rigging. Um, it's really a corrupt agency, isn't it? It's hard to, like, do they really need $80 billion for javelins, the Olympics? Or do they need $80 billion for corruption, you know? I'd go corruption, yes. <laughs> it's like, the, the argument is, if we get rid of the Olympics, a lot of sports will lose their funding. Like, javelin? <laughs> oh no! Or or dressage, dressage. Yeah, the horses and stuff. The dressage. The, the dressage <laughs> where they dance around on a concrete, rocky concrete square for for five minutes. Oh, the shame! Oh, the shame! That's so. Yeah, <laughs> we need eighty billion dollars, or the javelinists will not have their moment to shine. Oh, okay, oh. and then it's like, oh, by the way, we have. Major ad revenue companies uh, bid rigging. We have 
uh, tech companies setting things up in a, in a dodgy way around everything else. And they're all connected to the government. And everyone's like, well, go suck a big government ding dong. You know, we're slipping it right into your juicy box. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> <laughs> it's innuendo. And so so there's the big rigging going on. There's the unification church stuff happening, yes. which I don't really know a lot about, but when I see the logo on their building on TV, it gives me the chills. Yeah, it has this weird... Heaven, heavenly parents of... Ah, uh, no, 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 I look away. It's, it's, like, it's like there's a lot of fringe religious groups in Japan that actually have massive amounts of members that oh, you wouldn't yeah. think. Like, oh. you're walking down the street and you see this giant building and it looks like some church from Mars from like 80,000 years ago. And it's like, happy science, science is written on the front. And like, what the <laughs> hell is that? Never heard of that. It's like it's like a, a famous YouTuber where it's like, ah, this YouTuber is just a loser. Let me look at them. Oh, 19 million followers and is loved everywhere they go. That's the way fringe minority groups kind of operate in Japan. It's like, never heard of that before. Let me Google it. Oh, they have billions of dollars and they're everywhere. Okay. First place I lived in Tokyo, right across the street. Like, this is like a back, not a, not a big street, small street, was like one of these funny churches where you you have to line up and go in, you have to get searched, go through a metal detector, no phones, no recorders, no anything like that. And people were just, it was like drones. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, that, why don't we, why don't we go into um, a segue? Yeah. Because that is exactly what I wanted to talk about, was the Unification Church. Breaking news, everyone. Ex-Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is dead. He was shot many, many months ago, and he's dead. But, <laughs> no. is he alive? Did he fake his own death? No. So, it came out that the 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 alleged gunman who he's a gunman we can't we shouldn't say alleged gun the alleged assassin who who offed ex prime minister that sounds very yeah, um, uh, prime minister Abe during a stump speech in the summer of 2022. Um, I was recording drums on that day. It was kind of interesting. I came out. All the politicians were going, eh, "What happened?" But so this guy, he's. His mother was part of the church, this unification church. Mm. Uh, people call it the Moonies is, is a disparaging term because of the founder. His name is Moon, and he's right. a Korean guy. Mm. And then this religious group that started up in South Korea as an anti-communist, pro-Christ kind of semi-movement mm. gained a lot of traction, a lot of speed. Um, prime minister, ex-prime minister who was murdered, Abe, the father was also a prime minister, and I think they were the government of Japan was maybe this is where I get into speculation. But was working with possible like government agencies from America, intelligence perhaps, trying to network together anti-communist um, factions to unite them in Asia against the threat of communism from the north and from China and Russia at the time in the mid-50s, 60s, 70s, we can say. That sounds like the CIA. Yeah, yeah it, would, it wouldn't be surprising at all. I wouldn't be surprised if the CIA set up the Moonies, to be honest. Uh, I wanted to look into it, but then I was like, oh, well, then I just ended up reading from Wikipedia for eight hours. So anyways, what I want to do with this is that the Unification Church takes a lot of money from their followers 
And then the Unification Church donates a lot of that money and tries to gain curry, tries to curry favor, I would guess, with Japanese politicians, especially elite ones. So they, the church feels that they are fairly represented in a democracy that respects the right to worship whatever you want to worship, right? That's kind of what Japan has. Yeah. And yeah. so this, this, this assassin's mother donates all the money to the church. They lose everything. And then he gets a grudge, so he goes out and kills Abe. And then everybody in this in Japan is saying the Unification Church is this dangerous organization and they need to be stopped. And now all the politicians are saying this is a dangerous organization and they need to be stopped. This is not what I think is actually happening. Okay. What what I I point I point the finger, now that I'm a family man, at the father of this kid who killed Abe. The, mm. He committed suicide. So huh. the assassin's father, I'm just calling on the assassin. I'm done with the alleged. Yeah. He, he, I said it once, it's enough. <laughs> um, he committed suicide and left a whole bunch of money to the mother. And then the mother was like, I would guess, at a loss of what to do. So she finds some spirituality type thing mm -hmm. and the church becomes the, the patriarch of the family in a way. And then they protect the family through the eyes of the mother and the mother gives all the money to them. Now, the son blames that the mother's choice of giving all the money for his woes in life. But I think that that's misplaced. The fact that the father wasn't there to raise the family or help raise the family, even if you're not a very good father, just having a father in the house it really affects a, a person's development. Very um, important. Very important. The I had a friend who died a long time ago, and the more I think about it, the more I think it was because he came from a family with one parent. Um, not that there's bad things, you, you know, I'm not going to say that's why everybody should be married because then there's abuse there too. So don't just take this as a, I'm a, I'm a, some sort of fiscal conservative Christian neophyte. I don't know what the hell they would term that as, but this guy lost his father. Now he kills Abe in a way to maybe get back at his father. Psychologically As speaking. Psychologically of a father figure. Uh, yeah, so Abe is the father figure of Japan. Whether you hate him or like him, you don't have to love your father. You can hate your father, but there's the father. So it's kind of a revenge thing psychologically, the way I see it. So if that, what I'm saying is, is if you're a father, don't kill yourself. Suck it up. Don't, don't be, you can be sad. I'm not going to tell you to turn the frown upside down, mm. but I, you got to be there for your family. You don't have to be a, a, a mother and a father and, and, a, and, a, and a nuclear. You just don't kill yourself. <laughs> that's not that's not that crazy to say. And then it would would have stopped that 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 asteroid being caught in that gravitational field that became the assassination of Abe. You know, it kind of set everything into motion, brought in the asteroid, and boom, killed Abe. So. What I would like to say is the Unification Church, all churches and all politicians want representation and they want money. That sounds about right, yeah. And if you have a rich church and they want representation and they're going to give you lots of money in exchange for representation, which is your job as a politician to do in the first place, whether you agree with it or not, as a politician, you should be saying everybody has the right to worship however they want to. I think they're a bunch of crazy loons, but I'm not going to stop taking their money because I'm a politician. And that's the way things work. So that's not the fact that this unification church, which does exploit a lot of people, which does have a lot of dodginess to it, which I'm going to stay away from and I'm not defending here. I'm saying that the whole angle is in way misplaced. 
it's the suicide of the father that set this in motion and not the fact that there's a dodgy religious organization there currying favor with elite politicians because all religious organizations, which are all dodgy to some extent, do the exact same thing. And all politicians everywhere around the world reciprocate. I guess if there's an upside to this, um, we're seeing a lot of copy on um, what they call spiritual sales techniques. I like this term, by the way. Spiritual sales. What's a spiritual sale? I mean, you know, can I just, you know, how much? Yeah. <laughs> how much to get a new spirit? This Mine, locket, Mine's kind of worn out after three years of a pandemic. So, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, the lockets from the temples are a way of spiritual sales. Uh. But they're like 100 yen or 300 yen, and you burn them or you hook them up, and it's mm. kind of a fun thing. It's ritualistic, and you don't really have to commit your... 10 or 15% of your, your monthly paycheck to go and do that type of garbage. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't say garbage. It's actually quite fun, and I really enjoy it. I, I can't imagine the, what that's like, though. It, it's like this kind of mind control where, yes. okay, uh, we're going to take you someplace, but now we're not going to let you leave until you agree to this. It's like, oh, wow, I don't, I don't you know. It's I, the Nigerian prince scam. Mm. And then if you eventually give them enough money, people start appearing to you as if they're affiliated with the prince and they still need more money. There's like an echelon of there's scam on scam on scam on scam with those type of things. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a platform, it's a framework, you know. Yeah. And if it gives you something in exchange that's good for your life, congratulations, you win. But uh, yeah, these dodgy uh, religious circles, I'm not sure. I don't know. Think about these salespeople. I mean, yeah. what kind of person do you have to be? You're know, knowing you're going after all of this person's like disposable income. Right. But, but wait a minute. You got the money coming back, and we are we have a better place in heaven. Yes, my Up Armani suit needs heaven. Upload me now. Upload me now. <laughs> so that's one thing that I wanted to say, and that's what I've been thinking about for a long time. Mm. And you're only going to get it on the Japan What podcast at MatthewPMBigelow.com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so before I was talking, let's just give this a weird corner. Indeed. So the world of, we keep kind of going back to this inversion thing. Ten years ago, internet's like this, now it's like that. Mm. Same thing with uh, a lot of um, conspiracies. Ten years ago, it's like the moon's made out of cheese, but now it's like, I'm not sure if this experimental medical procedure is doing what it should be. And you get called a conspiracy theorist, and then six months later, it's like, maybe it's not. Maybe it is good, maybe it's not good. What, ten years ago, if you mentioned the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, the Bilderberg Group, you would be a loon. Oh, yeah, completely. It, you... Nobody would talk to you. Hey, guys, have you heard about the Trilateral Commission? It's like, what are you talking about? Club of Rome? No, no. What, the Club of Rome? So the moon's made out of cheese? <laughs> Jackal Island. <laughs> Epstein. That, that ties into what we're going to go into right now. Oh. It does. Very loosely. So if I ask you, and I think you know, in your just as a general... If I say, like, a, as, a, as like a, a reaction, what is the Trilateral Commission? Asking me. Yeah. It's just your basic understanding. It, uh, it's a group of elite people that get together and basically set policy for the rest of us. 
Kind of. Exactly. Um, yeah. The past week, about seven days ago, the Nikkei Shimbun was allowed into the Trilateral Commission's meeting in Tokyo. So the so this is huge because they are ultra secretive. They don't let anybody in. You can't know about anything what's going on in there. And it's like um it's like a like a backstage pass for the backstage pass for the backstage pass of a Pantera concert. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. You're gonna go in there and Dimebag Daryl's gonna blow you. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the trilateral commission. <laughs> wow. So the trilateral commission, I'm reading here from, from Wikipedia. Just as, you know, who else are you going to read it from? The Trilateral Commission is a non-governmental international organization aimed at fostering closer cooperation between Japan, Western Europe, and North America. It was founded in July 1973 by David Rockefeller, mm. an internationalist. <laughs> That's how it's described. That's clever. Um, they have three headquarters, um, Paris, Washington, D.C., and Tokyo. The organization represents influential commercial and political interests that share a commitment to private enterprise and trade, multilateralism, and global governance. There we are. That's on the Wikipedia page. Oh, my. So founders include Zbrigniew Brzezinski, mm-hmm. who, who was a, a really crazy dude. He was... Um, Secretary of... He was some sort of person in the Carter administration. But a massive internationalist. And in Japan, because it's the Japan Web Podcast at MatthewPMPiglow.com, we have Tadashi Yamamoto. Uh, He was one of the founders. He's the Japan Center for International Exchange. Uh, Okay. The current chairs are former U.S. Assistant Secretary for Defense, um, former head of the European Central Bank, and Yasuchika Hasegawa. Chair of Takeda Pharmaceutical Industry. Hmm. Notable members, Antony Blinken, the current Secretary of State for the United States, Michael Bloomberg of Bloomberg Everything that we all know, and everybody's favorite childhood rapist, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So this is the who's who of the shady group people that meet and do group things for the groups. So you can quote that. Ep- Epstein's name is still on this. On the Wikipedia page. As a founder. Uh, not as a founder, notable member. Notable member. So the oh. notable members were Blinken, Bloomberg, and Epstein. The founders were um, uh, Zunita Brzezinski. <laughs> Just say it quickly, hopefully it sounds right. The big one. And uh, Yamamoto, and then uh, Rockefeller as well. So it's just a like. The internationalist big dick swinging club. That's what it is. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. See, I told you Epstein was still alive. Ah. (laughs) Why would he kill himself? (laughs) It'd just make him a new island. (laughs) Oh, I heard something funny the other day. It's like if if you don't want the FBI watching what you're doing, just get a VPN and set your location to little St. James. That's really funny. That's really funny. (laughs) Root your internet traffic through... Rapist Island. So, in so this came out in the Nikkei. We're I don't know how much we're going to get into this because it's a big article, and then the Nikkei likes to be dramatic. But mm. we have the Trilateral Commission, which we were just talking about, which which is detailed. Then Nikkei is reporting on it. Nikkei Building Headquarters is right next to the Keidan Ren Headquarters in Otomachi. So the 
and the Kadanran is the business Feder- lobbyist. Yeah, Japan Business Feder- Federation. The yeah. Japan Business Federation, which is the big dick swinging club of Japan Business Federation people, right? It's, it's where do I want to go with this? So this is from the Nikkei. So when I saw that the Nikkei was allowed into the Japan branch, the Tokyo branch's meeting, uh, not the branch, but the Tokyo hosted meeting of the Trilateral Commission the first time in 50 years because the press is not even supposed to be in it anyway, anywhere, any anything. And I think the only way the Nikkei is involved is because they're kind of an elitist club as well, to be honest. Right. Uh, they're big elitists. Um, the Asia-Pacific group includes a young Japanese politician, um, this is for the Trilateral Commission, viewed as a future prime minister, multiple former finance ministry officials, these are all Japanese, tasked with shepherding the yen, currently known as current, uh, collectively known as the currency mafia, as well as a relative of the Japanese imperial family. Um, the proceedings of the commission were open to three reporters from the Nikkei Asia. The press has been invited to highlight a rift that may be emerging between Asia and other wings of the organization. So, this goes into this broader concept where with the Japan Web podcast, I want to focus on Japan, but branch out into how it connects with the rest of the world because that's what's happening right now on scale. It's just, that's what's happening. Everything's connected. Um, what's happening is the American position on China doesn't favor Asia at all. Right. To, to force mm. Vietnam to choose between Asia, to, to, <laughs> to choose between China and America is insane. To focus, to force Taiwan, all these people that share waterways, trade routes, history as well, Asia understands China a lot better than America understands China. And these countries all have to cooperate in some way or it's all going to go to fucking hell. Mm. So this the press was invited in so that the news would get back to the American counterparts. Hey, it's not going well. That seems quite plausible, yeah. That's yeah. what's written in this yeah. article. I'm summarizing because yeah. I just don't want to read it. And then so there's all, I cut out a bunch of the, the dramatic uh-huh. moments. Quote, we feel the U.S. policy towards Asia, this is everybody just ganging up against the Joe Biden administration because oh. they're incredibly weak and everybody knows it, especially towards China. Well, and, uh, and Antony Blinken's a member of this thing. So, so we quote, we feel that the U.S. policy toward Asia, especially towards China, has been narrow-minded and unyielding. We want the people in the U.S. to recognize the various Asian perspectives, end quote, said Masahisa Ikeda, an executive committee member on the, of the Trilateral Commission. Uh, Ikeda has been named the next director of the Asia-Pacific Group. The revolving door between the commission and senior government ranks has always been fodder for conspiracy theorists. I just put that in there because I couldn't let it slide. Okay. Yeah. Shadowy people from shadowy organizations meet from all over the world to discuss shepherding the world currencies. For some reason, this is just fodder for conspiracy theorists. Go <laughs> eat a pound sand. <laughs> um, oh. Rahm Emanuel, the U.S. ambassador to Japan, who was the mayor of Chicago, connected to Obama, yes, implied that the days of trusting Beijing are over. That's what Rahm Emanuel said at the Trilateral Commission. Implied. He reminded participants that Chinese President Xi Jinping once looked U.S. President Barack Obama in the eye and promised he would never militarize the islands in the south, the China Sea. But he went on to just do that. At a certain point, you either play the fool or get smart, Emmanuel said, which is just horrible American diplomacy in my opinion. That is, un- that's 
Here's wow. Here's your whole economy for this area of the world, and my summary is platitude. Oh my goodness! You guys need more platitude at the Trilateral Commission. The U.S. ambassadors are you? Not no no no. This is not what U.S. ambassadors have have done since. Oh, who was that guy? Rush Hour? I don't know. Like. They just, they, they come here and, like, they just don't say a lot. They show up at important events. But uh, for him to say, like, but this, yeah. but this, this is, is gangsterism. Is this this is, is don't let a crisis go to waste guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Washington, this is from the Nikkei. In Washington, the concept of engaging China, the hope that if China were to be invited into international institutions like the World Trade Organization, then China would look more like Western nations is dead. <laughs> they finally got smart, <laughs> to, to quote Emmanuel. The attempt to do so during the Obama administration is now considered to have been a failure. The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden has taken a starkly different approach. In its first national security strategy released in October, the Biden administration noted that China is only competitor with both the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military, and technological power to do it. So... That is what's going on with the Trilateral Commission meeting. Um, it's India was there also, and India is staying out of it because India is being able to exploit this international situation between Russia and everything else to get massive amounts of cheap coal and energy. So they're just like, we're getting like 90% on the dollar here, whatever the amount is, like some crazy amount. Like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna be like, hmm quiet about it and so that's that but um and india has taken a hard line on china i'm wondering okay i'm scanning through this it's really long it's a huge amount um final quote this is from one of the japanese members of the um sort of one of the da, 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 da. as we edge towards that now nah, well, i'll forget that anyways ijo desu the end what do you think This is this is this is quite a uh, this is panic. I, I I I hear panic. Yeah, it's desperate, um, but it's also like, hey, listen up. But here's the thing: you you don't you can't really tell who's on who's taking what sides anymore. Okay. No. So okay, so we've got the Biden administration doing all this bizarre stuff, and, and it's different every week because. It's just a very reactive administration. What's happening? Oh, we can't have that. They don't do anything. They just react all the time. And then the other day, Michael Bloomberg apologizes for Boris Johnson's speech criticizing China. Yeah. Think about this for a second. Bloomberg's invested a lot of money there. So Bloomberg, China. the Mike Bloomberg. From uh, the Trilateral Commission. Apologized <laughs> at a business forum hosted by the news agency he founded for remarks by British former Prime Minister Boris Johnson Criticizing China as autocratic. Why is Michael Bloomberg apologizing for Boris Johnson? I don't know. Remark. He's deep into China. When he was running for president, Bloomberg, he wouldn't allow he, he wouldn't allow reporters to write negative things about China or something like that. Like very strict policy. Some may have been insulted or offended last night by parts of the speaker's remarks referencing certain countries and their duly elected leaders, Bloomberg said in remarks posted on Twitter. Those were his thoughts, and his thoughts alone. <laughs> it Whoa. Just, 
Oh, my goodness. It's... And then is he speaking as himself, as a representative of his media organization? Or, I believe... Or I... as, like, a trilateral commission? Like, are these people... So they're using the press to get their message out so that it gets repeated and... Because most people... Unless it's in the media, they don't, it's it's nothing. Like, you could go to the website of a company and people will say, I don't really think that's true. But if that website of a company is then quoted in a newspaper, people go, well, looks like it's true and that's good. It's all circular. So, is is I wonder if Bloomberg is using his status to amplify triliteral, trilateral commission. China wasn't at this trilateral commission. That's what I forgot to mention. Uh. They invited China, and they said China couldn't go, perhaps, because of the COVID rules. Or is it because China's saying, pound sand, we're off on our own way. We don't, we don't, this is not what we want to get involved with right now. You you guys figure it out. We'll just, whatever, you know. Oh, for what's going on in China right now, I'm taking all speculation off the table. Yeah. Um, what's really strange is, you don't see a lot of it anywhere else, uh, the protests in China. It's just gone. Yeah. Mm. I saw these uh, drones in China hooked up to disinfectant chemicals, and they're going, the giant drones, like like high, uh, octocopters, whatever they're called, going down roads and giant rows spraying everything <laughs> to disinfect against. Imagine that. And then they hang QR codes off of them, and you got to scan them at highways to see if you can go past them. It's a insane biomedical checkpoint society going on in China right now. Well, these protesters have come up with a brilliant move um, to get around the censors. The new protest move in China is a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. I just walk up and hold that, and it's like, it's got to be driving somebody crazy. Yeah, how do we censor this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to put, you must carry around sheets of paper with words on them. Um, and they can't be these words. Sorry, I bumped something there. What do you think of, so we have areas like Vietnam, which is connected to China geographically, also historically, Yes, trade as well. They do a lot of shipping to the United States, but there's not a lot of, it doesn't go that deep, the relationship between Vietnam and America, as opposed to Japan, China, and America, right? Like Japan is really trying to position itself as diplomatically, American, but business-wise in China. They're, they're divesting at the moment, but that's been the past 10, 15 years. Do, is this a winning strategy? I'm not really sure. Japan, I think, is stuck, still stuck on the idea that it can get a seat on the UN Security Council. So many things have been, it, it has done like over the decades, it's kind of like, yeah, this has got to be points for us to get on the Security Council. I'm... But isn't Japan just more convenient as an American lapdog, if that's the attitude? It, that's kind of what I'm thinking these days. It, it, the way things are happening now, I mean, Japan is doing stuff with um, the defense budget um, and things right now, the developments that they're taking, um, space defense, um, missile defense. Um, cyber, some cyber moves. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I'm uh, wondering if it's actually a, a winning strategy. And uh, there's this guy I know. His name is Max von Schuler Kobayashi. He's um, ultra. He's he's a he's an American guy, ex marine, um, mm. and he he considers himself Japanese now. He's married to a Japanese. He lives in Japan. 
and he's he's deep in the conservative movement in Japan, like on the local political levels. Okay. And I asked him about this, about Japan's view of the American relationship, and he just told me point blank, they just think America's going to come and save them. That's that's the average conservative Japanese view. Oh, we have this the the military pact with America. They'll just come and save us. That's that's that and like I tried to squeeze more out of him. He's like that that's kind of that it's there's that much that that's how limited and how naive it is. The relationship, I mean, you go back to oh goodness, that um like from when I first got here. And then later on, there was that uh, rape incident in Okinawa that was supposed to change everything, but actually didn't. Um, Just led to more rapes. And really, I guess if you're a Japanese politician trying to justify why um, this great big airfield out here with nothing on it, but, you know, giant planes is landing off and, you know, taking off and landing at, at, at all hours. You have to kind of foster that. That's that's really the only way you can sell it. Because the other thing is, like, okay, well, if the U.S. isn't going to come and save us, then we have to save ourselves. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. What is that? Well, that means we have to, like, um, build ships that we call destroyers but are actually aircraft carriers. Uh, we need to get offensive missiles. We need satellite protection and... Then all of a sudden, everybody. Well, well, wait a minute. There was a there was an article uh, in that piece of paper that we're all supposed to listen to. Uh, the Constitution, Article ah. Nine. Yeah, that says we can't. Oh yeah, but but no no no. It's 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 you know that's that's the harder thing to sell. Um, I, I Article or, Nine is the peace. Yes, uh, the non-aggression principle, whatever it is. It's. There used to be a lot of debate about it, and then in the past few years, people are kind of like, uh, let me say, missile shield. You know, it's people right? Have to, yeah. Once you see like your neighbor is amassing a giant fleet of in, in incredibly advanced naval capabilities, China, and kind of going, okay, we're gonna put cannons on our coast guards, and we're just gonna go into your waters now. You, then you then you're like okay well maybe we we do need some some bang for our buck and then you have to ask okay well what's causing this it's like well let me see uh okay north korea keeps launching missiles north korea that really poor country that does business with nobody yeah is making like constantly shooting off these really really expensive bottle rockets and everybody else kind of sits back and goes, you know, every, everybody behind North Korea, like, you know, <clears throat> China. Iran. Uh, they sit back and go, yeah, yeah. North Korea keeps firing. These things are expensive. Yeah. You, you would think. They're getting them from somewhere. I mean, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe oh. maybe there's some warehouse in China where they're like, oh, man. It's right across the river. Rip, 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 rip the stuff out, slap some paint on it, and send it to Pyongyang. They'll shoot it off. And we'll watch what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll it's a yeah test the we'll, waters. Just, we'll, we'll see where the radar ping's coming from. Right. This is very artificial. Yes. Okay. This is a lot. Yes. I mean, these. I don't know how much a missile costs. Uh, yeah, it's more than my annual salary. <laughs> yes. Which, as an unemployed person, is not very much. And 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 they've done it what eighteen times this year. And it's yeah. like yeah, that's, somebody with a calculator somewhere is going to be going. Wait a minute, who's paying for this? 
Um, but yeah, that's what Japan's doing. Everybody north, you know, air raid sirens. My parents called me from Ohio and said, we heard there were air raid sirens in Tokyo. And I'm like, uh, no, I must have missed that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds so shocking. Air raid sirens in Tokyo. Oh, it's coming down. Like, no, 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 no. It's just, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds a lot worse than it is. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, anyways, I thought that was fascinating that the Trilateral Commission mm. allowed in journalists to then just send a message back to the other factions of the world saying, hey, this ain't working. And I'm wondering if it's like, hey, this Biden guy is weak, even though American media makes him look strong. No one really believes it unless yeah. you just believe, you know, all the all the American media out there, which, you know, is for Americans. They got to go, well, now's, our, now's our chance. Now's our chance. Now's our chance. Who knows going to be uh, back in the next term? And, and I really wonder if... um. I'm not sure if Japan can actually handle this because they're so stuck in their old ways mm. and they don't rely on their younger people to make any types of decision-making, to make any decisions in a wider spectrum for all this new technology that's being used. So you have like 75-year-old person saying we need more technology and that 75-year-old person's idea of technology is still like a, a smartphone camera or something like that. They're, I mode. Uh, I mode, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we need more avatars. I've heard of avatars. My my nephew likes avatars. Let's get more avatars. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think that Japan is actually fostering or tapping into the actual talent it has, um, and they're just relying on... On, on kind of zombie mode at the moment with all the administrations. Everything is a paper thing, and they can't adapt to these uh, new modes and new models coming out. Maybe they'll be able to to amass something, but I think it's going to be very lackluster. I'm, I'm very cynical about it right now. And their, 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 their message through the Trilateral Commission is probably just a plea and uh, it's very interesting, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not very hopeful that they're gonna amass the know-how to make any type of leadership decision. I don't see it. Yeah, and it'll. It'll. It's. It's something to watch. I mean. Anyway. All right. You've been listening to the Japan What podcast. Where can people find you, Jeff? If you want to give any of that information out. I'm on Gab. Um, Gab. It? I'm on Gab. Um, we'll put it into the show notes. Okay. Yeah, I just popped the question randomly. You can find everything Japan What Podcast at MatthewPMBigelow.com. You've been listening to the Japan What Podcast. Uh, take her easy, everyone. And remember, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just somebody who is very boring talking at you for too long and you just need to leave, leave, just leave the room. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a spoiler alert. We're gonna leave. This is spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, we're gonna leave you with a song I just recorded, um, and then we will catch you next time, everybody. I did all the recording, writing, mixing, production, everything. Hmm. Wow. Transylvania
Take it easy, everyone.